Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. If you know me, you know how obsessed I am with live performance. To me, nothing replaces being in a theater and the lights going down and the orchestra starts to play and that first moment of magic. And I know the way I feel about theater, some people feel about sports or opera or dance or comedy or food. And what if there was a place that you could go and find out which live events are going on near you that night, and then for a discount price, you can get off your couch, put down that clicker, and experience the magic that is live performance. Well, there is a place, goldstar.com. You just go to that website, you type in your city, and every amazing live event will be listed at discount prices. Theater, dance, comedy, film, food, concerts, sports. No more staying home. You are going to go out and build memories and experiences that expand your mind and heart through live performance with goldstar.com. Goldstar is in 26 cities around the country with over 8 million members already signed up to find out what event is going on near you. So go to goldstar.com. Get out of your house and build memories that are magic for you and your family. Expand your mind, expand your hearts. Go see live performance by using goldstar.com. Tell them Alana sent you. Hi, this is Patti Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be A-OK. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today, when she was a little girl, she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, but that never stopped her from pursuing her dreams. And now she is starring on Broadway, eight shows a week, and she is extraordinary. Welcome, Caitlin Canunin, to the podcast. A-OK. A-OK. 
everybody. My guest today is Caitlin Kinnanen. Caitlin is currently starring on Broadway in The Prom. She was born and raised in Washington State. She moved to New York when she was 16 years old to make her Broadway debut in Spring Awakening. She later appeared on Broadway in The Bridges of Madison County, in the first national tour of Next to Normal, and in numerous film and television projects, including The Intern, It's Kind of a Funny Story, Sweet Little Lies, Younger, American Vandal, The Nick, Law & Order, SVU. Have you done all the Law & Orders or just Law & Order, SVU? SVU. There are more Law (laughs) & Orders to come. (laughs) Um, I am so thrilled to have you here on this podcast. I am one of the people who is so uniquely privileged to have seen you in this show. Thank you. That is changing lives every day. When I tweeted out that you were coming and said, do you have any questions or comments? I would say all the comments were, thank you. (laughs) For being on this planet and performing in this show. And a lot of the questions were, do you have advice for me? I am gay. I mm-hmm. live in a town where no one else is gay. Yes. Um, and so it must be a heady, beautiful thing it to really be is. the poster child for an entire generation of people. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's such a like beautiful way to describe it, actually, is like a heady thing, you know, because it is wonderful. It's this beautiful opportunity to get to connect with people who don't normally see themselves represented on stage. Yeah. And I don't take that lightly. Yeah. You know, it's it's a big deal for me, and I'm very honored to be able to do this. So for the five people who have not had the opportunity <laughs> to either see the show on Broadway or still clips, uh, glances at clips on YouTube. Um, Can you just briefly describe, that was a very truncated bio read I read of you, (laughs) a truncated version of sort of the heart of the story of the prom, the musical. Um, So the way I like to describe it is it is about um, a 17-year-old girl named Emma, who's the character I play, who um, wants to take her girlfriend to the prom, and the school board says, no, you can't do that. Um, So the prom gets canceled. And then separately, there are these four veteran Broadway performers who um, were just in a show that closed on opening night. And they're a bit down on their luck and they want to put themselves back in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. And they find this news article about this girl and her prom and they decide to go and try to save the day and get themselves some good publicity. So they go over to Indiana. Shenanigans ensue. Madness happens. Comedy drama, all of it wrapped into one. And you will have to see the show to find out more. Exactly. <laughs> so what, um, I want to go back a little bit because you find your, how old are you? Um, I am much older than my character. You are? Yes. Okay. Because I, you look so young on stage. Thank you. It's all the sunscreen. Okay. Sunscreen. <laughs> Guys, if little known fact, if you get nothing else out of this just, episode. Just put sunscreen on. Yes. Because, because. <laughs> Caitlin, uh, who plays a 17-year-old, I was like, is she old enough to play this part? Um, (laughs) Is she doing tutoring on set in between? Totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, there's something to be said. You know, in Dear Evan Hansen, for a long time, somebody older than Mm -hmm. the character of Evan Hansen was playing the role. And now Andrew is doing the part. Yes. He is, in fact, the same age as Evan Hansen. And I think a lot about what it means to... um, play a role when you are playing the same age as yourself or playing something in retrospect yes what do you think about that as a rule as a you know as a rule I think it shouldn't be a rule Mm -hmm. you know I think it should be a case-by-case basis I think there are benefits to 
both versions of that. I think there's something so beautiful about age-appropriate casting Mm -hmm. and the innocence that brings to a role of a certain age and just like the worldview of that person playing that character. But on the other hand, I also think there is benefit to an older actor playing a younger character because their worldview. I've been playing Emma for four and a half years now. You've grown up with her. I've grown up with her. She's such just a part of my being now and like I wouldn't have had that if we had opened it on Broadway back when we started you know yeah that like I've been able to like sit and marinate with her and I don't know there's bits of life Caitlin that are intertwined with 17 year old Emma that are just so wonderful that wouldn't be there if I wasn't who I am today. Yeah, you know, totally. So it I goes back and forth. I talk a lot about this with like friends who are in Be More Chill yeah. or, or uh, other shows. With comedy, there really is something about having some distance from the thing yes. um, as opposed to only the experience of still living in yeah. the thing without this kind of yes. perspective. Um, and I do think one of the things that makes this the heart of the prom is so deeply felt by audience members, but there is also so much comedy yes. and hilariousness <laughs> surrounding this very yeah. sensitive subject, Yes, which is probably why the show is so successful. I think so. I think it's such a beautiful combination of so many things that um, we really are telling this like heartwarming, touching, enlightening story, but at the same time, we're making fun of everyone while doing yeah. it. And I think the best way to talk about serious topics is through comedy yeah. and laughter. Yeah, it um, really Because can it makes be. you comfortable while doing it, you know? So I think it's important that we make people laugh before we make them cry. <laughs> so a lot of people got to know about the prom who are not necessarily theater goers or people who are lucky enough to be in New York mm-hmm. right now to see it because... As many people have said on this show, their own exposure to the performing arts and Broadway was watching the Thanksgiving Day yes. Parade. They didn't live in New York. They nope. were in Texas or Utah or any other place on the planet where they didn't have access. And that's where they fell in love yeah. with the performing arts. And so you, you know, your your girl slash girl kiss uh, <laughs> was the launch of a thousand Twitter Yes, it was. Um, were you expecting that? Were you aware that this um, was going to be groundbreaking in the way that it was? Yes and no. Um, it was an interesting thing because that moment in our show is just a moment in our show. Right. You know, to us, it's not a big deal. It's not. There aren't parentheses around no, it and lines and exclamation it, it points. It is two characters who are in love with each other and they kiss at the end, like, you know? Expressing their love. They're expressing their love and that's all it is. It's as simple as that, you know? It's a wonderful moment in the show. And so to be able to do that on the parade was just like, it, just another thing. It was like, okay, we're doing it. Like, right. whatever. This is the number it's, we're doing. We're doing the finale of the show. It's no big deal. And I, I mean, and it's being a big deal because we were like, oh my God, we're on the Macy's Parade. Sure. You know? Um, but like, I hadn't really thought about it. And it so wasn't producers until... didn't have a discussion with you like, guys, no. this is the scene we're going to do and just be no. aware. Nope. There was none of that. The only thing that happened was that uh, during our one of our rehearsals on the street, our director, Casey Nicola, came up to um, Isabel McCalla and I and said, this is the first time this has happened on the parade. This so is you weren't aware of that LGBTQ kiss that's happened on the parade. And that was the moment that it was like, oh, 
oh my gosh, we're we're doing this thing and it's really cool and it's, it's historical. really exciting that we get to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like we just went into it feeling like overjoyed and excited and like this is such an awesome thing that we get to do. And it wasn't until afterwards that we got some comments that were not the kindest and not the most um, supportive. supportive. But what was so cool about it was that like for all of the quote unquote hate we got, we got 10 times the amount of love and support and compassion from people. You know, so many people reached out to us and just said like, thank you for doing this. Thank you for normalizing this thing because it is normal. You know, again, it's just two people who are in love and they're expressing their love in a very mundane way. You know, like that kiss is not a very, it's just a kiss, you know, it's nothing more than that. Well, I wanted to ask Um, you eight shows a week. How's that kiss? (laughs) It's, you know, it's great every day. (laughs) But like, yeah, so it's just, you know, it's what we do. It's what people do. It's, it is what it is. It's love, you know? And so to be able to like show that to America was really, it was great. And Well, and now beyond America because that clip went viral. Yeah. (laughs) When you say you became aware of a response positively and negatively, how does that filter toward to you how are you aware of it in your life social media Mm -hmm. is just an ever-present thing at this point um i actually i don't have a public twitter account i have a private twitter account that like i follow my sister on (laughs) and like no one else and so i'm able to like go on twitter and like see what's happening but i don't really okay because i followed you and you did not follow me (laughs) back see i haven't been on twitter in like a week so i haven't seen that yet so i will go and follow you back i will follow you and my sister i want to be a a canadian that's (laughs) all i want you are more than welcome thank you welcome you with open arms but yeah so like i see i see it and then like on instagram it pops up and Mm -hmm. people tag you in posts and you just see these things go by and i think social media is just an interesting thing at this point because a lot of it is so positive, but there is a darker negative side to it that the you don't. Underbelly of yeah, it. that you don't want to see. But I actually have had this conversation with a lot of people recently that it's like, you may not seek it out, but then some person somewhere decides to comment on a post and they decide to tag you in that post, and so all of a sudden, this negative post that you wouldn't have necessarily seen becomes a part of your like, like your feed. notification. Yeah. Feed. You know, so even if you don't seek it out, it's there. So you kind of have to just like put up some blockers and this is a continue big on change yes. in our communities. Yes, it is. Um, both incredible relationship mm-hmm. with the people who appreciate our work. Yes, and the people whose work we appreciate. Um, there's this instantaneous connection now you can talk it's not just at broadway con where you can meet your (laughs) favorite star like there are dialogues happening and friendships um and points made and taken but it also really does shift um where your job ends each day and i know that i've been on jobs now where i'm really encouraged and asked to participate is that part of your job description Um, now i mean i feel like unofficially Mm -hmm. yes you know I feel like as actors whatever project you are working on it is kind of expected of you to promote it um whether or not that is directly asked of you or not Mm -hmm. um yeah so I feel like I don't know I feel responsible for um promoting and acknowledging my show in a positive light which of course I would do because yeah because it's freaking amazing it's the most amazing thing ever (laughs) so like I'm gonna do that anyway yeah but 
you are encouraged to like post certain things and or then not post certain things. You know, there are like. Have you been asked to have or not have certain kinds of dialogue? Um, Not really. I think it's it's been encouraged of us to like not engage in any negative play, you For know, sure. and I think that is something that should That's be done intuitive by anyway. everyone, yeah. you know, like one of the things that. I don't know. I just wish that social media was I try very hard on my account to promote positivity and like open conversations and like really be honest with my followers instead of trying to like cultivate and project this like quote unquote perfect world Mm -hmm. because that's not real life. You know, I try to project real life in my social media and I feel like I just wish more people would do that and I wish more people would use it as a platform to promote positivity instead of hiding behind their computer screens or their phone screens and being able to be negative because that's that's not fun for anybody right and, it and I can't imagine it's fun good. for the people who say those we're things, living like you know? that yeah. yeah like yeah well let's go back a little bit um you in reading your credits to <laughs> the 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 listeners out there most people are sort of aware of your story now um, because you've really like taken Broadway by storm this season. It's just an <laughs> incredible thing. Um, and your voice. I can't wait after you guys listen to this episode for you to just listen to Caitlin on any cast recording she's ever been a part of, or just even her speaking voice, as you can tell. It's just like oh, melodic. Thank and you. I just, I've not had the best day, and you're making me feel oh, no. amazing already. Oh, good. I'm glad I can help. Yes, the dulcet tones. Oh, yeah. Um, you are from... Seattle. Yeah, I'm originally. From, yeah, I'm from an hour and a half north of Seattle. I'm okay. from Kameno Island. I say Seattle to make it easier for people for like people. me. Exactly. For Jersey people. Exactly. Like me. <laughs> You're like, where is that? Got it. Um, because yeah, when I'm like, I'm from Kameno Island, people are like, what? Well, can you tell us what is it like to be from Kameno Island? It's really wonderful and magical. It's a lovely place. It's part how many people of, live on it? Um, actually, a lot. It's like a fairly big island. Okay. Um, I call it a bastard island because <laughs> what actually sad. makes it an island is like a ten foot slough that you could like walk across. Okay. They're at one point, but it is still an island. It is still an island, but at one point, I think like three years ago, the like town hall got together and they were like, "Can we still call this an island?" Because there's a little still... strip of land now that connects it to <laughs> but the. But we main are land. still an island, so okay. it's very um. I don't know. It's just like, you know, tight knit community. And um, like my best friends like live down the street from me and we would like meet in the middle um, and then walk to each other's houses. And I'm like still friends with them to this day. Um, so, Were your yeah. fam- was your family from this area for many generations? No, um, my mom actually grew up on the East Coast okay. and my dad kind of grew up all over the place. His dad worked for Boeing. Um, and so he just traveled around, but mostly in eastern Washington, actually. And so um my parents met when my dad was in the army and they were both on the east coast and they took a road trip and moved to the west coast together and i know you have your um biological sister and yes. me yes now, obviously <laughs> honorary community are there yes. more siblings no that's it just my older sister okay and is she an artistic soul as yes, well she is she is a beautiful artistic soul she is a photographer um, and she mostly does wedding photography, but recently she started doing birth photography and is studying to become a doula. And so she is a doula and then takes photos of these beautiful, beautiful births. And they're just, it, her eye is just, just wonderful. So as I beautiful. go into labor, I would be calling my doula, my OBGYN, and your sister yes. to get there as yes. quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully, at one one day, my sister will be both your doula and your photographer. Like so you right only hand, have to make two calls. The baby. <laughs> 
<laughs> I really want that. Yeah. Um, and were your parents, uh, were there like cast recordings in your house being played? Like, yeah. What was your um, introduction? <laughs> you know, I actually don't. Like, what I remember listening to growing up was um, Aretha Franklin. Like, that was my go-to. I listened to Aretha Franklin and then... Is that um, because your parents loved her? I actually have no idea. We okay. just, like, had Aretha Franklin <laughs> records in our home. So you're listening home. to vinyl. Yeah, I'm listening to vinyl. I'm listening to Aretha Franklin. God. I'm listening to... You're putting on um, fur coats and dancing around. Oh, my gosh, around. what was their name? There was the three women... Who were in a band together, and I don't remember their name. Not right now. Diana Ross and the Supremes. Yeah, that, the Supremes. Okay. I would listen to the Supremes. Thank you. Um, and so, like that was what I listened to. And then we would watch. We had all of these VHSs of like all of these old school musicals and all of these like Ethel Merman things, oh, and wow. like it just. I don't know why that's what we had, but like we never had TV. Well, you know, when you're up. in the army, that's what <laughs> I mean, right? Your My dad's back. like, let's listen to Ethel Merman. <laughs> um, I, I kept it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I grew up listening to just a weird eclectic mix of like, for me at the time, older music. Mm-hmm. Um, and like one of my favorite memories is that uh, every year in the town that I grew up in, there was the, um, the, like fair there was the like stanwood camino fair um and it was like a super small fairground and we, you had they had a lip syncing contest and every year i did it and one year i didn't actually do it but i had like rehearsed it and gotten ready to do it i don't know why i think i ended up doing a different song with my friends or something um but i was gonna sing respect and i had this like beautiful mermaid sequin gown with like white taffeta sleeves and like a base and I used like balloons for the boobs and the butt and I was like I am like you do I am lip syncing to respect by Aretha Franklin and I just went all out and I remember practicing like in my friend's basement just like doing it all out and like that is my childhood (laughs) did you I said this earlier, like your voice is extraordinary and your range Thank is you. extraordinary. Thank you. Um, when did you discover that you kind of sing better than everybody else on <laughs> oh the my island? God, you were that too is nice. not an island, but really um, it's an island. You know, it it's just always I my mom always says that like she doesn't know where I came from because like neither of my parents can sing at all. But it's I've always been able to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and it just kind of like came out of my mouth and I was a very like small, meek little child. And then I would sing and it was this big booming sound. And yeah. my mom was like, where? What's happening? Where are you from? Yeah. Um, And so like it wasn't I didn't take my first voice lesson until I was um, 11, I think. Um, and that's when I started doing professional theater in Seattle. And this wonderful woman um, and Evans was auditioning with me for something. And she was like, I'm a voice teacher and you have something really special and I want to work with you and so wow. I decided to work with her and so you told your parents that you wanted to start auditioning or did it kind of um, it kind of happened did you fall or, into it? I kind of fell into it actually my I've been doing this since I was three um, my mom wanted my sister and I to never be afraid of public speaking and so she put us in like summer theater camps uh, was she afraid of public speaking? she was yes uh-huh. like deathly afraid of it wow. and now she's like this amazing like head of a program at a community college and like has to do speeches all the time and like nails it she's amazing but yeah she never wanted us to have that fear so she enrolled us in these theater programs and so like I did camps and classes 
starting when I was three and then like I did um like community theater productions and then through a program that was doing all of these camps they put out a flyer that was like this local professional theater um village theater in Issaquah and Everett is looking to cast Annie and we want all the kids who are enrolled in the gateway drug the gateway drug yes (laughs) they were like we want these kids to come and audition and I went and auditioned and I ended up booking Annie and so Annie was my first professional show um and then I I was 11 and I just kept going you know I did Annie I did Secret Garden I ended up doing Wonderful Town at the Fifth Avenue Theater I just it's what I loved to do and my parents were the most supportive and most incredible and they were like if this is what you want to do we'll do it um did you have any moments early on where you didn't get the part that you wanted or did you just keep getting the lead in everything you No, there were definitely parts where like I missed out on it did not go your way totally so how and this is when you're still like a preteen yeah a young teenager how did you handle that you know I think at that point it was so it was just about the fun of it there was no like I need to do this to support myself pressure on it so at that point it wasn't like it was still a big deal, but there wasn't so much weight on it. You know, it, it was like, oh, I didn't get this, but like there are other opportunities. And like if I wasn't doing a professional show, I could do one of the like kids shows, you right. know. So like no matter what I was doing, I was still in a show. Even if it was in your school. Exactly. Like your middle school yeah. versus Broadway. So I was always, always doing it. And then. So when did you start auditioning for things outside of your zip code or your state um when i was 15 uh spring awakening was running on broadway and they were about to put out a national tour and they had a nationwide search for kids and so i auditioned for spring so awakening how do in you Seattle. did you have a an agent at that point? no i didn't it was how just did you like, know this it was all happening. word of mouth the seattle theater community is very tight-knit and okay. it was just like oh this is happening tell everyone <laughs> um so everyone was told and everyone under the, the town like, crier music. was like he 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 <laughs> Exactly. Who wants to audition? So we all went and auditioned. Were you aware of the show? Yes, I had been aware of the show. Actually, my sister had played the um, cast recording for me. Okay. Um, and it was very exciting. So I knew about the show. I knew that it was groundbreaking. You knew that it had some bad language yes. in it. Yes. And I was like, yeah. Yes, right. But yeah. Junior-year-old Caitlin's so into it. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I went to an open call, and I ended up getting a call back. And so my mom and I, I found out on a... What day was it? I found out on a Thursday that I needed to be there Saturday. To be where Saturday? New York. For the callback. Yes. So my Who auditions you in Seattle? Um, they actually sent out one of their casting companies directors okay. out there. So it was Carrie Gardner from Carnahan Casting at okay. that point. Um and so my mom and I hopped on a flight. Did and anybody got else from Seattle? Yeah, yeah there were a far? bunch of us actually that made it very far in the process and did they put you up in a hotel they did uh, that first time they did not that first time they're like get was, yourself here my mom always says that it's like one of those mastercard commercials that it's like booking a last minute flight to new york this amount of money booking a last minute hotel in new york this amount of money booking your broadway debut priceless <laughs> <laughs> you know like it was that kind of Got thing it. my parents were they were paid back eventually oh oh yes yes <laughs> Um, but yeah, so like I came and I had one was callback. Lily Cooper in the I went in right after her. Okay, yeah, so she, she was just in your seat like yes. two minutes ago. Oh, on this I podcast. love yes. her. I do too, and we'll go see her in Tootsie, and we'll Please. cry and applaud. Oh and my god, I would love that so, so much. She's one of the best people. She's so incredibly talented and just like the kindest human. I love her. Yep. 
Ditto. I, yeah. You, I, that's, I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> she is perfection. Amazing. In a human being. So she was no longer there. Was yeah. Remy still I replaced in Remy. Okay. Yeah. So that's where you came yeah, in. Yeah, so there were a group of six people who left the show at once, and so six of us came in to do it. And is Michael Mayer there to yes, put you in? he was. It was actually, like, kind of an incredible experience that, like, I don't think usually happens. For replacements, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so that, like, we all got put in by Mi- Michael Mayer, and that's really special um but yeah so it was cool so like I was 16 by the time I came out here to do the show and my so you and your mom find a place to live yes my mom where did you I, live where did you lived go on 52nd between 8th and 9th okay and that was my home for a very long time and do like the casting directors help you get set up I mean um yeah it was happen I I honestly don't really know we'll get, we'll get your mom on um exactly like call my mom I ask will. her you mean my mom Caitlin does yes it's we'll my mom what mom. am I talking about I know all of this <laughs> yeah. um but yeah they definitely they like put us up in a um like at a, a like a residence in situation mm-hmm. for like a week and so we could settled. like figure out how to get settled um, but and yeah, because having moved... a tutor on no, I was homeschooled, so I like loophole just got to keep being homeschooled. Okay, <laughs> AKA stop going to school. Pretty much, or... yeah. <laughs> school yeah. of life. Uh huh. Um, I think it worked out. I think I'm doing okay. You're doing just fine. Yeah. So yeah, but I was 16. I moved across the country with my mom, leaving my dad and my sister in Washington. My sister ended up moving out with us like three months later, and my parents had a long distance relationship for two and a half wow. years before my mom. Moved back to Seattle. So she came with you. Yeah. That's how it worked. Yeah. And how long were you in that show for? Six months. They uh, It closed six months after. So then what started. happens? Well, then it was an interesting thing because I was 17 and I had my equity card. Mm-hmm. And in Seattle, that is not the best position to be in because they can hire um, minors in like an internship kind of thing. So they right. can pay them $50 a week instead of equity minimum a week. Um, And so if I had gone back to Washington at that point, my mom and I quickly realized that we're going backwards. I wouldn't. We're nowheres. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so we as a family like kind of sat down and we're just like, is this what we want to do? It is what we want to do. Let's make it work. And we did, you know. So you all moved to New York at that point? Just, it was still just me, my mom, and my sister. And okay. my dad stayed in Washington. Dad? Yeah. Well, I stayed with him. Yeah, exactly. You were there. there. It's all of mine. I forgot all of that. Thank yeah, you for reminding me. After the head injury, I have forgotten oh, no. so much of my Seattle life. And then we'll bring what? it back. It's okay. Thank you. So you have an agent now, right? You have yes. to get an when agent the, when, when you're the show awakening closed, on Broadway. I got an agent. I'm still with that agent. Penny Lidke is my agent. Penny? I love her very, very much. We love you, Penny. Yeah, we really do. Um, so, yeah. So I uh, kind of just, like, really, like, started from, like, zero at that point because I had this Broadway credit, but no one knew me. Right. You know, I had come in out of nowhere. And been in this show, but, like, I had never auditioned for anyone else. I didn't know any casting directors. I didn't know any directors. Like, so I started at square one, you know? And it was crazy and hard, and I've worked my butt off to be where I am today. So how many years ago was that? That was almost 11 years ago. Okay, so we're on kind of the decade anniversary of your you and your family kind yes. of making this move. Yeah. So when you're doing Spring Awakening, is that like the beginning of your New York 
artistic family? Did those people go with you or was that like a one-off in a way? That was kind of a one-off in a way. And I feel like it's such an interesting process because we were all so young Mm -hmm. and so green and so like deer in the headlights that I feel like we all kind of went our own separate ways. But now like when we see each other, it's like, oh yeah, we both went through that weird thing. We have that connection with each other, you know? And I've had the privilege to like work with some of them again and it's always really wonderful to see them so did you ever take acting class um yeah I had uh I had like private coaching and acting classes throughout all of that Mm -hmm. um I didn't end up going to college at all um and I just kind of like my mom always calls it the Caitlin conservatory where I like created my own syllabus essentially where I had an acting coach and I had a dialect coach I had voice lessons I had dance classes you know I had all of it it just wasn't like quote unquote formal training right right. I just made it work for myself so was next to normal your first national tour yes first and only as of now and who was in the cast with you um it was Alice Ripley went on tour so it was Alice Ripley Asa Summers um Emma Hunton was playing the role um jeremy kushner was the doctor preston sadler uh, just like so many wonderful people and yeah just like lifelong friendships from that one and then you start doing tv yeah and some film roles yeah Yeah. um when you first did you first book the prom was it like a reading what was the beginning of this process so the beginning of this process was back in october 2014 wow many moons oh my god you did Um, say yeah it's been a while um and i actually auditioned for um the role of Alyssa, the girlfriend originally and at that point it was a very um stereotypical like blonde cheerleader character like a mean girls looking girl yeah kind of and I was like I am so not right for this um so this will be fun and so I went in and Casey Nicola quickly picked up on that and was like did you try to since that was the part you were reading for were you like I'm gonna be that girl I'm gonna look like a cheerleader I tried to your version best Caitlin version of that okay. which is like army boots <laughs> right overalls like, I wore combat boots. what did you wear do you remember um, I just wore like a pair of um like skinny jeans and a pink t-shirt mm-hmm. that was my a like a try at being a cheerleader Hilarious. I'm gonna wear pink this is pink I'm a cheerleader I'm a cheerleader can yeah. you see it yeah but um Casey Nicolock quickly realized I was not right for the role of Alyssa and he said hey you're really not right for this but you are Thank right you. for the other role Emma do you mind taking these sides taking that pink out t-shirt and, off and right on a thermal uh, exactly yeah button down and so he had me go in the hallway and like read over the sides not and even come, come back, back another day me, nope, come back right day, now like, 10 minutes later came back in did the Emma side which is now uh the monologue before unruly heart um is what I auditioned with essentially and And did you sing i had sung the um just the Alyssa thing which was a part of you happened and so i had sung that for the Alyssa part and they like had me do it again in like the style of emma Mm -hmm. um and then the next day i booked it and now it's a reading and now it is a 29 hour reading okay and so we did it for three days and are any of the cast members that i got to see on yes, broadway a lot of them okay there's um i think from that reading it was me beth brooks chris angie and josh layman 
I think we all not a lot of laughs. So very just, serious. Just oh, just really bad at comedy. like a really good uh, <laughs> head of gobbler. Oh thing. yes, same thing. Serious. Yeah, three sisters. Oh my god. Yeah, it's. It, it's a master class every day in comedy. It's ridiculous. But yeah, so we were all in the 29-hour reading. Um, and then after that, we took a little break. And the following summer, we did a lab presentation of it. Also in New York. Also in New York. And then summer of 2006, that was summer of 2015. Summer of 2016, we did um, an out-of-town tryout in Atlanta for three months. Um, and then... Winter of 2018, we did a um, another lab in New York, and then fall of 2018, we opened on Broadway. And did you feel confident that you would get to stay with it? No! Anxious the entire time? <laughs> Was there a moment where they're like, we're going to Broadway, you need to audition Oh my again? god. It actually, our producers are incredible. They have been, they're very upfront with us about most things, mm -hmm. and it's truly wonderful. I had never had producers treat me like that so before inclusive. and be so inclusive and like telling them what was going telling us what was going on and so when we did the lab in 2015 I was offered a contract that was good for three years okay um which was like mind-blowing I was like wait you're doing that that's yeah. incredible that's the way it should be done mm -hmm. but not a lot of people do that mm -hmm. um so yeah so in 2015 I knew that if the project continued on for the next three years which at that point we didn't know right you know it was like yeah if this continues I will be a part of it but like this world is so crazy and things change like that so I was like okay hopefully this keeps going and we, like, just made the three-year mark. <laughs> so the other thing that you've been very open about is your relationship to diabetes. Yeah, I have type 1 diabetes. So how old were you when this was discovered? Um, I was eight years old when I got diagnosed. And how did, how did that come up? How um, did you know? Uh, my parents noticed it. I was did always a really active kid and I had gotten pretty sluggish. I didn't have any interest in the things that I normally had interest in. Um, and I was drinking a ton of water. I would drink you were two, always two liter bottles of waters a day wow. um, and just like tired all the time. And so my parents were like, this isn't our kid. What's going on? Um, and so we went to the walk-in clinic and they checked my blood sugar and it was like, I think over 600 what which, is normal meant to be normal for a person who does not have diabetes is like between 70 and like 105 okay so this was off the chart this was what's crazy though is that like for being diagnosed it was actually pretty low oh like most people when they're diagnosed their blood sugars are like in the thousands um so it is amazing that you went when yes, you went and it was yes, picked up exactly um, and so I went and at that point I was admitted to the hospital and I was there for two weeks um, while I learned how to have diabetes. Um, yeah. And so it's been a part of me ever since. And so how is it? How are you and diabetes related at this point? <laughs> what is your um, relationship? Oh, very complicated. In a show where you have, do you have a pump? Like what? I do. I have an insulin pump and a sensor. So I have a Dexcom CGM, which is a continue, continuous glucose monitoring system, which is like a device that sticks on your body through okay. a needle um, that tells you what your blood sugar is at all times instead of having to poke your finger every okay. time you want to know what your blood sugar is. Wait, so there's always a needle plugged into Oh, yes. There are always two to... needles in my body. There's one for the pump and there's one for the CGM. Is it so, painful? 
Um, no. Every once in a while when it goes in, because you have to change the sites. The pump site you have to change every two to three days. The um, sensor site you have to change seven to ten days. So you can shower with them? Yep. They're part, it's... They are part of me. Okay. I'm a bionic woman. You are, baby. Um... And so, yeah, like going in, sometimes you'll like hit a nerve or something and it's a little uncomfortable. But for the most part, like I don't even know I have them. And on. is this, I don't know if technology is the right word, but if are these mechanisms in the world of self-care with diabetes, mm-hmm. is this a new development um, or are these? Relatively so. The progress that has been made in diabetes care from when I was first diagnosed to now is astronomical okay it's crazy what they have done um i was one of when i was i think i got the pump when i was 10 so i had had diabetes for two years already and i was the first person under the age of 16 that my insurance company had ever put on a pump and my parents had to fight to get the pump so this was groundbreaking groundbreaking and like now infants are put on pumps because they just make life so much easier for us and so like yeah the steps that have been taken in the last 19 years are wonderful and amazing. The fact that I don't have to check my blood sugar poking my finger 20 times a day now is, it, it's mind-blowing. Were you That's something that I phase? never thought would be possible. So were you performing when you were still doing that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so would you just find, would you just not do it during the show or find yeah, times it, during a play? Like- yeah, it just takes a lot of like preemptive thinking of right. like, okay, I'm on stage for this long, so I have to make sure my blood sugar is this number. I have to make sure that I have this available at the ready if I need it. And it's still that way, just a little lower stakes. <laughs> right. So when you're doing the prom, mm-hmm. you are on stage almost the entire time. Yeah. We miss you when you're not there. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> so... What, how are you handling this and having this job at the same time? It's a lot. You know, it's one of those things where diabetes is a constant in my life, but it's one of those things that is kind of just always in the back of your brain. It's not really a thought that you have all the time. And then every once in a while you're like, oh shit, yeah, I have diabetes. Have you had seizures? Um, um, Knock on wood, I have not. Okay. I have not been in that position. So for those of us who like learned about it from Steel Magnolias, where there's a (laughs) Um, very dramatic- That is a uh, very poor representation. But that's good to know. That is what it really looks like, people. Um, I mean, like that, that is a possibility. That is one version of what it could look like. Um, But really there are many steps before that. and if Shelby had not been aware, be, yeah, if Shelby had had a sure. CGM, she it's your been wedding fine. day, but you gotta still keep in touch with your diabetes. Um, also, yes. like juice is not the way to do that. She would not have come back from that with just like a few sips of juice. Okay, you know, um, that would I be. I appreciate you clearing that up. Anytime you got diabetes questions, come on over. Um, but yeah, so like backstage, I have fruit snacks everywhere. I have fruit snacks in the set. Is there I a have, brand of fruit snack that you enjoy the it most? It goes back and in case forth. Um, right now, Welch's is mm. at the top of my list. You go old um, school. Sometimes it's Mott's, you oh. know, changes. Okay. Um, but yeah, I like to mix it up. I like to mix it up because you know, like if you've had Welch's for like a year, you know, Mott's is gonna taste really good at the end of that. Totally. So you gotta you gotta keep it changing. So are you hiding like things on set and yes. are you able to There are fruit snacks in my bedroom in the show. There are fruit snacks backstage on either side of the stage. There are fruit snacks fruit snacks fruit snacks stacks at of fruit. the stacks of fruit. Yeah. At the calling desk for the stage manager. Um one of my favorite moments in the show when I 
like am most likely to ask for fruit snacks is at the end during the finale izzy and i are singing together and then we like stop singing and run up stage to say hi to christopher sieber yes and then izzy goes off to make the quick change i sing a little bit more and then i go off to make the quick change like i'd say probably once every like three weeks i'm like izzy tell the stage manager i need fruit snacks mm-hmm. and she runs off and does her quick change and tells them to get fruit snacks for me and then while i'm making my quick change they like shove fruit snacks at me and i'm like putting on a suit well i'm like shoving fruit snacks in my mouth. This is so incredible. The only thing I want to ask about, and we will not labor or belabor at this point (laughs) much longer because I appreciate your sharing all of this. Fruit snacks have a gummy texture. First of all, to my son who's listening, you may not have fruit snacks based on the the cavities that we've been seeing. Um, and, And so, so no. How do, do they affect your singing? No, actually, they don't. Um, I do, like, depending on when I eat them, I have to eat them at a, like, very quick pace. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, sometimes that's a little challenging where it's like, oh, God, I have a mouth full of fruit snacks and I need to chew them very quickly. Do you feel like... That's the only thing that gets in the way. <laughs> so, as a kid, we don't want to, you know, the things from Ben Platt's Tony speech to sort of this whole understanding now of being unique and different and special is actually the best thing possible yes. for your development as a human for your development of your empathy gene yep all the great things that come with it yeah but as a mom of like young people there's the fantasy of for me of like how great i think it is that yeah. they have these differences but then there's the reality of being a kid with diabetes yeah. and most people not understanding what yes. that is and how do you feel like, how was that for you? Were you constantly explaining yourself? Um, You know what's weird? And this is like a very strange, like psychological thing that I've had to wrap my mind around. I don't remember having diabetes until I was 16. Hmm. It's something that like my parents like took care of and handled and made sure that I did have a normal childhood, which I like. I'm so grateful to them for that, that it didn't even become a factor in my mind until I was 16. But do, but didn't you have to, like, prick your finger all day at school? Yeah, But I are did. you saying you don't remember? No. Literally don't remember. I literally don't remember. You know, like, I remember having to eat at certain times of day, but I don't remember ever worrying about it. I don't remember ever thinking about it. Wow. Like, That's the amazing. child's brain kind of, like, took care of it all, you yeah. know? And then I was 16 and all hell broke loose. And I'm like, ah! Because, like, <laughs> hormones are happening and, and, like, because of the social aspect I of it? I think that was part of it is that it was, like, the sh- social aspect of it. I was starting, like, that's just when I moved to New York. And it was, like, finally acknowledging that, like, oh, this is something that I will have for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. It didn't maybe, go away. Like, it, yeah, exactly. You know, that it was the first time I realized, like, oh, this is something I actually, I actually need to take care of. Mm-hmm. My support system can't always do it for me. Right. You know? But yeah, so like I don't, it's not, it's not a thing, you know? It's amazing. I'm glad it's not yeah, a thing. Yeah, exactly. And I'm glad you're like here to tell everyone that you yeah. can have any career you, you want, can. including being in a show yeah. eight times a week. You yes. just set it up where you just the community have to do a little bit part of, like, of it pre planning, but you know, it'll work. So being in a show that is so front and center and celebrated in the LGBTQI community. Um, 
and really by everyone <laughs> on the planet at this point. I mean, it really is one of those special shows that popped on Broadway this season and people are like, wow, yeah, we needed this. We didn't yes. even know we needed it to be the face of this um, message that just becomes political because of yeah. the world we live in right yes. now. What is that for you and how do you negotiate that and everyone wanting you they want you to be l and b and g and t they want you to be yes. all the things that they yeah. are how have you handled like your private life and and yeah what do you want to share it's it's very interesting you know like leading this show has been a crazy experience and i think it is i try to lead with positivity and honesty and vulnerability and I want that to be what people connect with whether or not people relate to me or not is kind of at their disposal mm -hmm. I am who I am uh and that that's me and I'm not going to apologize for that I'm not going to try to hide that I'm not going to change anything about who I am I'm just going to play this wonderful character the best of my ability mm -hmm. and what people connect with is her vulnerability and her story and her boldness and bravery and her I don't know just people connect with Emma in ways that I never even imagined and having the ability to have these conversations with people afterwards is so so great that like people do come up to me and they say you're telling my story thank you for doing this we finally see ourselves on stage in you and that's wonderful and I just try to be like a conduit to open these conversations mm -hmm. up you know are you at the stage door a lot um I try to be um it's definitely something where like sometimes I don't make it out and that's on me <laughs> um oh. this show is hard you know I'm on stage for most of the show I get to take the final bow in the show I'm leading this beautiful piece and and this company. that takes a toll yeah. on me um you know and I'm tired all the time because of it um so sometimes like I most I try to get out on most uh one show days on two show days I definitely like in between shows I can't stage door um it's just too much to try to do the show twice and talk to people yeah. is a nightmare and so I, I just know, talking hold up to Jen Colella and Ben Platt and Bonnie Milligan and all of these people who are at the center of a show that is really speaking deeply to people yeah. who have been in a lot of pain yeah um there's also this kind of moment where you have to reckon with I can take this yes. on but then also I'm not a professional yes I'm I'm I mean I may not be 17 <laughs> but I'm a very young person yeah. Um, how do you restore your own energy? I guess I guess the thing is what has been really blowing my mind as I go from show to show and talk to people in shows like whether it's George Salazar and yeah. or Chill or you or there's so many young people in pain. Yeah. And it's it's like so heartening that these shows are coming yes. up where they see themselves reflected and so disheartening yes. that in our culture right now, I feel like, have we made no strides? Yeah. Why are people feeling so yes. invisible, unliked, unappreciated, yeah. except in the world of theater yeah. or the safe place of Broadway con? Yes. Like, what's happening? I honestly don't know. You know, I... It's so hard, you know, I almost feel like at this point it's like 
part of being human that that's something that everyone has to go through at some point in their lives but like I so wish I could change that and I so wish that people could just be honest and open and listen to each other that's really Mm -hmm. all it takes you know just have a conversation with someone and truly listen to them because I think if you do that you'll find that you actually haven't been listening to people for a very long time um truly listening is a skill that I strive for every single day um and hearts will open yeah you just have to learn to be an empathetic person and you have to that's one of the things that I find so wonderful about theater is that we get to tell other people's stories and people get to see that and they learn empathy from it and so like I don't know maybe the way to fix it is to have everyone grow up going to theater Mm -hmm. I think that would be very helpful I agree (laughs) and I just want to say listening to you today and just getting to listen to you on stage like your voice heals most things oh my god it's just really (laughs) like the the um the incredible channeling you know the the amazing thing has happened your talent and this part and the fusion and marriage of this particular moment of you in this play like that doesn't happen all the time you were in somehow you were in the right exact place to be there for Casey to see what you can yeah. do, for you to be present in that audition, to give the other role like your full attention, <laughs> but also to bring enough of yourself yeah. to it that they could see, not that you were being an imposter, but there might be another choice, <laughs> Yes, um, is really lucky for all of us. Yeah. So I just want to thank you for thank coming you. today. Thank you for that. And your performance is just really like an amazing gift. So Thank you. Caitlin, oh. I mean, as your sister, I've gotten to see it my whole life. But now getting to share you with others is amazing. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Of this course. has been so much fun. This has been absolutely love. Clouds can make the wind blow. Bugs can make the grass grow. So there you go. These are little known facts that now you If you want more information about my guests, go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast, and on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. Look, at this point, we all know it's not just enough to be doing something wonderful or have a great idea. It has to get in front of other people. People have to know about what you're doing in order to engage in it. And I know better than anyone that when you are starting up a new business or a concept, the idea of also worrying about the branding of it and strategizing how to get more people to know about it is the last thing that you have time to do. Well, that is where the Pocket Media Group come in. They can help you with branding, strategy, video, photography, design, writing, animation, Anything that you want or need to get the story you want to tell out there, to break it through for everyone to understand the power of what you are creating. So go to thepocketmediagroup.com. They will help you 
take what you are doing and bring it to the next level at thepocketmediagroup.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.